Coming to you from our opulent and luxurious 4x8 refurbished broom closet at the National Headquarters in Indianapolis. With duct tape, studio lights, and a mic that you barely can hear, we hope to entertain and educate you. This is the Tango Alpha Lima Podcast. They call me crazy because I'm facing all my giants. They try to scare me into thinking I can't fight it. They tell me I should never even think of trying. But that's just me. I'm going to live out in defiance. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Tango Alpha Lima podcast. I am your host, Mark Seavey, and as you can tell, I am not in my office today. And if you hear some screaming and yelling in the background, I'm not a Gitmo either. I just have some kids that do not want to take a nap. So it's very likely the microphone will pick that up, but we will see. Jeffrey, I have no idea what your hand what you, motion is. I'm trying to figure out what your shirt is saying. Oh, it's it's just, something uh, unsu. In my defense, I was unsupervised. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yes. Mm. <laughs> Ranger Up is a, it's a Ranger Up t-shirt. Big fan of the boys at Ranger Up. So, as uh, I've already given away his name, but hello, Jeff of the Michigan Dailies out there in Hollywood, California. And as always, we have Ashley Garbolja Maldonado to bring a better looking third to our show here so that it's not stuck with gargoyle and shrek here so i try boys i try jeff does not unlike an onion and shrek jeff has layers so layers it's a good reference i use that one frequently yeah i'm a a big fan of shrek big fan so i guess without further ado we will jump right into it so we can whip through this and uh, make holly happy by getting under 40 minutes that's the goal so jeff you have topic one what do you have for us all right, let's see if I can get it going really quick. Like a No, I won't do that. Uh, my, the, our first story is a good one. It's after years of fighting, the military started phasing out widow's tax. This comes from military, military.com. And it's, you know, families are important. And let's just uh, get right into it. A long decried law dubbed the widow's tax that reduced the amount of cash support some surviving military spouses could receive each month will begin a planned phase out this month, a change triggered by a 2020 law. Hindsight is 2020, and this was a law made in hindsight. And this so-called tax, officially known as a survivor's benefit plan offset, impacted surviving spouses who qualified for both SBP and annuity payments and dependency and indemnity compensation Allowances from the Department of Veterans Affairs. So this law required SBP payments to be reduced by the amount of the DIC payments. That's because a federal law prevented double dipping or receiving two separate federal benefits for the same reason. So this was not only not only uh, unfair to these surviving spouses, it's really uh, difficult to read. And I would, <laughs> I would like some compensation for having to say all of those syllables in such a short <laughs> amount of time. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen, though. What do you guys think? Yeah, like I want to start on this one because at some point somebody was like, you know, our federal budget's getting to be too much to handle. We should get to the people who really can afford to pay it, the surviving widows of military veterans. Like, who thought that was a good idea in the first place? Second of all, this was when I was on the legislative division for the eight years I was in the Washington, D.C. legislative division. This was our number one priority. 
year after year after year, and we made no headway. So mm. props to Congress to finally getting around to doing away with the widow's tax. This has been in the works. Now, basically, Jeff had played it, it stated what it is, but the SBP is an annuity that you pay into when you're in the service. And DIC comes when you, if you pass away from something that was service-related. And what they were doing is they were taking, you paid into the annuity and yet they were like, oh yeah, you can't get that because you're getting this other one. It never made any sense. The only advantage to people was that the DIC is tax deductible, whereas SBP was taxed. So it was ridiculous. And thank God they finally got this figured out. I, I don't know what took it so long, but it's preposterous that it was even there in the first place. I'm just going to concur. I am honestly between the different benefits and understanding and just listening to everything Jeff said. It's it's a web of benefits, and it's unfortunate that we would try and pull a fast one. So I'm really glad that this is happening. Yeah. The number of people that this impacts is Mm -hmm. reasonably high, and the money we're talking about is not astronomical it's not like you're getting astronomical checks from the federal government for two separate programs but even above and back there's an equity thing i mean the sbp you pay into that and then to be told after you're deceased you know the family's told well yeah you paid into it but you're not going to get it because you're getting this other thing it just doesn't make any sense no it it never did and i'm just i'm glad they got it fixed So uh, on that note, we will go to our first commercial break, and we will be back in just a moment. So you were discharged with a 20% disability rating, but now you can't hear so well and need help. Contact an American Legion service officer. Service officers are free of charge, and they help all veterans. Find one near you with our online tool at legion.org forward slash service officers. All right, and we are back after our commercial interruption there where Jeff took a took a pretty healthy nap there. It was when he started to drool on himself, I got a little worried, but he's back with us, so we got that going for us. Ashley, you have story number two. What do you got for us today? All right, so this one's for the American Legion. So the American Legion Department Service Officers or DSOs um, secured nearly three point seven not million billion in benefits for the nation's veterans during the fiscal year of 2020. Can we just have a a round of applause? Like amazing. Um, So, you know, the, uh, the claim payments uh, amassed for veterans by the American Legion come from a form of dependency and annuity compensation, death compensation, veterans pensions. So nearly 7,400 newly awards, or excuse me, newly awarded awards, if you shall, were issued during 2020, bringing the total number of claims being paid monthly to more than 880,000. Payments from these claims average nearly $1,400 a month for these veterans, uh, specifically veterans and their surviving family members. So the COVID-19 pandemic drastically changed the ways that DSOs approach working with veterans on their claims. So obviously with having safety measures in place, the service officers are continuing to push forward and provide assistance, which is fantastic. Um, So I got a really cool just mini quote here from Lucas Berner, uh, assistant uh, DSO for Washington State 
uh, that was back in his October interview. It says, a lot of what we do is planning with veterans and how to approach their claims. And I could not stress how important that is because every claim is a little bit different. And having the American Legion, having, you know, experts behind you every step of the way who are looking at all of the ins and outs of your claims to, to all the way down the road to when you finally get everything dressed right dress, you know, it's important. And, uh, Lucas goes on to say, you know, it's a, it's a difficult part, but it comes with the fact that our jobs are very hands-on and COVID has taken the approach to real-life situations and made it more complicated. But they're overcoming it, and that's what's so amazing. But $3.7 billion in benefits for our nation's veterans during fiscal year 2020. Impressive, to say the least. Impressive. Yeah, and, and, and again... T- within the COVID structure, not being able to meet with people, Mm -hmm. you know, when you get these claims and you're trying to prepare them to go to the VA, you're always going to be missing certain paperwork. And so it's imperative that you communicate back and forth and not being able to do that in person. I mean, this is a tremendous accomplishment. And Mm -hmm. frankly, I think our DSOs are really kind of the backbone of when people think the American Legion, they think helping veterans get the benefits they earned. And that's exactly right. A lot of times we don't see the numbers associated with that, but $3.7 billion is pretty legit. Billion. 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 That's billion. legit. Jeff, what do you got on right. that one? Um, I feel like they were well on their way to $4 billion, so hopefully 2021 hmm. will make that happen. No, I'm kidding. The, the, this is one of those stories that I put into the what do we do category, which is when you talk yeah. about the American Legion a lot to people, they go, what do you do? And it's, it's, a tough, it's a tough question to answer because the American Legion does so many things and you have no idea the, the sphere of interest of the person that you're talking to. But I do think one of the things that we always talk about is our, is our influence in the, the, in the political realm and the economic realm. And this is a prime example. One of the things that we do is we create an equitable environment for those who served. Those who served that deserve a benefit know that uh, our DSOs and our entire organization are teamed up with them to assist in in getting those things and making things right. And so this makes me proud of our uh, of our organization and. I, I hope that this kind of news story gets out there just so that people know um, that our veterans have avenues to be taken care of when there's something that needs to be taken care of and mm-hmm. that we are taking a frontline approach to that and getting things done. And I love it. Yeah. Again, we have almost 2 million members and we pulled in how many billions like you got to look at that like it's it, when you think about how much we do for veterans but your Jeff's statement about how we do so much is that's been my like when people are like what does the American Legion do man the the answer to that question is so vast it would fill reams of paper it would like it just it takes so long and you got to know a little bit about you know everything from baseball to help in the community to but this is one of those that this is i think an attention getter when you get that much money and pour mm-hmm. it into veterans who need the money who earned the money and who deserve the money that's 
I applaud all those DSOs. That's not the most lucrative uh, occupation of all time. And I, I applaud them for everything they do. It's so, lucrative top of, right here. It is. I, I, I have said all along that when I first started the Legion, I, was, I did claims. I did appeals claims. And it was the most personally rewarding thing I've ever done because you can change people's lives. I mean, you can absolutely change people's lives. And Super Producer Holly is uh, in here chirping in my ear to remember that uh, the uh, department service officers are funded through the Veterans and Children Foundation. Uh, and so I think it's important that everyone know that it, you can make a, uh, a donation to Legion Charities. It is tax deductible. And this goes to help pay those DSOs. The more money that comes in, the more DSOs we can hire, the more claims they can represent. And then we bring more back to the community. So it's uh, it's very important that everyone be a part of that. And that's that actually highlights a, a point you made earlier, is that the Legion is so big that not no single person can know everything we do. I learned about 10 seconds ago what the VCF was. And yeah. I'm invested. I'm invested in this thing. When she wrote VCF, I was like, "What is she talking about?" And then uh, when she typed out Veteran Children's Foundation, now I know, and I'm I'm assuming more people know because I'm assuming that it will be in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it used to be just it was. Uh, I think it was American Legion Charities was the umbrella, mm-hmm. and I think they yeah. just changed the name to the Veterans and Children's Fund because you know American Legion Charities doesn't exactly explain what we're doing with our charitable funds but you know the veterans and children's foundation you got a pretty good idea of of, of what's happening uh, holly says it was the endowment fund so there you go <laughs> all right topic three and this is going back a little bit we are obviously now through the silly season and into the new uh presidential season but there was kind of a hubbub that everyone saw about National Guardsmen sleeping on the Capitol floors amid threats of violence. And this article was in the New York Post. And it, it kind of cracked me up because the pictures were being shared on Facebook as if there should be some Sarah McLaughlin music in the background. And it's like, won't you help out this poor National Guardsman who has to sleep on the, on the marble floor of the Capitol building? Folks, calm your jets for just a little bit. Two two important things here. First of all, all the National Guardsmen that were in Washington, D.C. had a hotel room. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can tell that because if you look at the pictures of them sleeping on the floor, which admittedly they were all sleeping on the floor, you didn't see any whoobies like Jeff has up behind him. And that is a, that is a call they, sign that that's yes. not actually where they're sleeping, okay? Yes. Uh, so it turns out basically what was happening was they were on, I think, six-hour shifts. Six hours on, six hours off, six hours on, six hours off. They were going to the hotel room for one of those six-hour sessions, but they were actually staying in the Capitol building for that other time off. And if you know anything about military people, National Guard people, when you're supposed to be sleeping, they're off doing something stupid. And then... <laughs> They're probably exhausted. So one of the uh, one of the things that I've always lived by is there's no sense in standing when you can sit. There's no sense in sitting when you can lay down. There's no sense in laying down when you can sleep. And if you can shoot somebody, you should be awake and doing it. So the times that you're seeing these poor guys asleep on the Capitol floor is because there wasn't anything else going on. And you can't get yeah. into too much mischief while you're sitting in the Capitol. So maybe a boisterous round of uh, spades would not have gone over well. 
So the soldiers and sailors, or whoever was there, I guess the National Guard's people, uh, decided that was a good time to take their little siesta. I applaud them. Jeff, how many times have you slept in some pretty bizarre situations like that? In the military or in those? Well, I met more college, in the military. Those, those, rough, those rough college years. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I've told people you could sleep with a rock as a pillow. You could sleep. Uh, you could just sleep. You know, taking a dirt nap means something different as long as yep. you're on top of the dirt and not one yep. with the dirt. Um, <laughs> I think that uh, people don't realize in the drama that you can tell that we are focused so much as a as a we the people on drama. Your Sarah McLaughlin thing was yeah. spot on because that's what they were doing. They were just highlighting this thing that wasn't the thing that they were highlighting. But does it matter? No, because it creates engagement it creates clicks and comments and mm. and things like that so we love us some drama so we can't i i i actually i almost can't blame the the media for doing that no it, yeah the story was I, so hyperbolic and everyone's take on it was so hyperbolic it's like oh my god we can't afford to get them cops and it's like they have a two hundred dollar yeah. hotel room four blocks away. Okay, when they're in that hotel, I'm about two hundred dollars. I'm gonna go. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know like, what they're. You know, doing, I don't know what the government rates are, but that's that's what I was not out here. Like, yeah, th- those guys don't, don't feel bad for them. Don't don't pity all the guys sleeping. They're on the floor. okay. They had nothing going on, so they went to sleep. Good for them. Like probably the best case it. scenario. Like you just rack out. Be be kosher be good you know but right yeah I, I, you're right it was a lot of hype well everyone was like i was like listen like they're fine like my husband was coming home and he was like i don't know what all this hubbub is about like they're fine they're either patrolling or they're snoozing and the right. ones that are on capitol like they're just doing rotations and right. like they're eating mres and then um we the pizza which is a really great pizza place over here in oh. dc um a few days, you know, leading up to uh, the inauguration, I think it was like Sunday before, um, my husband and I went and walked around, huge labyrinth through all the fences, like every 200 yards, there was like one to two troops, huge. But uh, we saw these lines of soldiers coming back with these pizza boxes. It was from We the Pizza because they're doing a promotion where you can donate um, pizzas to law enforcement, first responder, and... Um, uh, the guard and troops that were there. So my husband like looks at me, he goes, let's go get pizza. And the next thing you know, I'm donating like $200 worth of pizzas. <laughs> and all the, there's like a stream of cops that come in. And I was just like, I was like, how many pizzas are you guys getting? They're like, oh, I think we're just going to get like three pies. I was like, can I just add three pies to my thing? <laughs> I was like, Lord. But they're fine, okay? Like they were fine. <laughs> Nor the story. They were fine. They were eating good. People were taking care of them. They're probably getting DD two fourteens for this mission, so yes, good, they for, will. good on them. Yeah, they're um, well, you know people get on their very comfortable soapboxes, and I saw a lot of <laughs> I saw a few of these things. Everyone in Congress has a healthy travel budget, and they're letting these soldiers sleep in the. I was like, oh, why? Like the how do you combat that? I mean, my fi- my favorite one actually was a was a guy. Uh, buddy of mine in the 173rd that just posted up there he's like this is not a real deployment and then everyone came swooping in <laughs> to like rebut that it, it is what it is yeah it, it is yeah. what it is as a, as a former national guardsman yes they're i'm telling you they're okay yeah they're okay they're just fine probably a little uh, bored but they're okay yeah 
But again, I guarantee you on the six hours that they're off back in their hotel room, no one is napping, okay? It's like you see your National Guard buddies once a month or two weeks every summer or whatever. <laughs> they are out having fun. They're okay. Everybody's all right. It's they're having fun in the room because there ain't nobody out in D.C. No. I can't even like – I'm literally in the green zone, people. Like, I can go to my roof and I can hear <laughs> the inauguration. Like it's, it's real. Yeah, I'm glad you didn't take a broomstick up there or something. You probably would have... Start heckling? You'll have red (laughs) dot millicles all over you. That's terrible. All right, right, let's go to our uh, second commercial break here because Jeffrey's looking exhausted. He's going to lay down on his marble floor right there and he'll be back in just a little bit. (laughs) Delete, delete. Did you know the American Legion magazine is the most frequently read periodical in the nation? True story. Find out why by joining today at legion.org forward slash join. All right, we are back and we are now going to rapid fire. Pew, 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 pew. What happened? You guys are supposed to be doing that. Remember we talked about that. Well, you didn't give us much of a lead in. Yeah. You All right. And now we're like, going to go eh. to rapid fire. <laughs> My, uh. My earphones are going crazy with all the noise here. All right, the f- story number one. This one, uh, this one is from last week, and I still haven't really seen all that much information about it. But uh, Military.com reports: U.S. soldier arrested in plot to blow up New York City 9/11 memorial. A U.S. Army soldier, he was with the Third Infantry Division out of Fort Sir, Georgia, was arrested Tuesday in Georgia on charges that he plotted to blow up New York City's 9-11 memorial and attack U.S. soldiers in the Middle East, authorities said Tuesday. Cole James Bridges of Stowe, Ohio, oh boy, was in I didn't see that part before, was in custody on charges, attempted material support of a terrorist organization, the Islamic State Group, and attempted murder of a military member, said a spokesperson for the Manhattan Federal Prosecutors. What Uh, the hell? Can I just, out loud, why? Unbelievable. I would... I would jump all over that Ohio thing, but uh, we have the Michigan militia, so I don't have a lot to say. This this kid, he's 20. He wasn't even thought about when this happened. Um, probably not even when the memorial was completed being built. Yeah. Uh, but yet he's he's willing to throw his life away, take other people's lives away. Uh, for For what? For what? After he took an oath... To defend and he's gonna, it. And he's going to blow up a memorial, which just seems bananas anyway. Like, there's so many parts of this story. I can't wait to hear the rest of it, but I'm going to assume there's something. I'm trying to figure not... out how they, I'm trying to figure out how they caught him. I'm assuming it was some crazy internet stuff that's manifesting. Yeah, he, sorts. he can't be the brightest bulb on the Christmas tree if this was <laughs> his big plan was I'm going to blow up a memorial. I'm pretty sure they can rebuild memorials, bro. Like. All right, uh, rapid fire number two. Navy SEAL pleads guilty to manslaughter in tape job hazing death of Green Beret from CBS News. A U.S. Navy SEAL pleaded guilty Thursday to involuntary manslaughter for his role in the hazing death of a U.S. Army Green Beret while the men were stationed in Africa. Chief Petty Officer Tony, is it Didolf, I think is his name? A member of the elite SEAL Team 6 also offered a detailed account of the night in which he and other service members initiated a prank known as a tape job on Army Staff Sergeant Logan Melger. I'm not even going to go into the rest of this. He, he Didolf here, he put... Uh, 
put Melger in a martial arts style ch- uh, chokehold, the rear naked chokehold, which is about what you would assume it is. You know, this this staff sergeant joined the military, makes it all the way through special forces training, is overseas in Mali doing the best job he can do, and he's killed by another elite service. This story is sad on so many levels. Jeff, what do you think about this one? I don't even, uh, honestly, I don't even have, I have nothing that will lighten the mood on this one because it's just a, it's a betrayal on different levels here. It's a, it's a betrayal of your, uh, your comrade in arms. It's a betrayal of your oath. It's, uh, it's, it is, like you said, it's, it's sad. And it's, at the same time, it's infuriating. Yeah. And it's uh it we've had some stories before about some and I'm not going to not going to indict all special forces people but we've had stories about rogues that yeah. uh give it a bad name and I hope they're weeding them out people like this and not allowing I mean I don't know if they have to have a safety brief on on hazing but Please don't suggest that. Right? But it's uh it's ridiculous is all. What why I mean hazing is one thing like this guy already made it through special forces training. What kind of hazing do you think you're going to do to him? Yeah. I mean, you know, like the guy existed for 180 days on four hours of sleep a night. And you think something else is going to change it? It's just bananas. Ashley, what do you got on this one? I'm just disappointed. I feel terrible for this man's family. The yeah. amount of anguish and training to then be, have to, to just then have your life like, can you imagine that? I can't even. No, I know. I can't even imagine that phone call when you get that from your family. Oh, how do you? You think like, oh, he's overseas right. or whatever, right? No. They were yeah. mess. No, I, I'd be yeah. livid. I words, no words. I. Yeah, no. it, that, that that is the that is the most blue falcon of blue falcons I've ever heard. I, I can't even fathom how, how bad that is. All right, Jeff, here's more bad news. If you happen to be at Joint Army Air Force Base in Alaska, uh, this from Stripes. I just found this bananas, but I keep using bananas. All right, this is insane. Uh, Joint Base Elmendorf-Richardson in Alaska has banned the sale of alcohol on the installation between the hours of 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. in an attempt to reduce consumption and related harms such as suicide. It says, quote here, the number one priority of JBER leadership remains the healthy, the health and safety of our people. Several scientific studies reviewed by the National Institutes of Health have concluded that restricting the hours when alcohol may be sold is an effective strategy for reducing excessive alcohol consumption. I mean, I'm not going to challenge the fine people at the Institute of Health, but if you're in Alaska in the middle of winter and it's dark all the time and you want to have a beer... I, I mean, closing, not being able to buy them between 10 and 5 just says to me that, okay, so the bars close earlier, so I guess you go home and be alone instead of out socializing. I, I don't understand any part of this. Jeff? Well, I will say that I've, uh, I spoke to two people that I know have been stationed here, and the ridiculousness of it is, is uh, multifaceted. So if the, the ba- they already have a problem with DUIs, at that base. Yeah. So now what you're doing is you're telling them you can no longer drink on base, but the the bars out in town aren't closing early. 
So you're pushing them off base. So unless you're locking down the base at 10, um, you're, you're not doing any good. Uh, so it's, I, I, I'm not sure it was, it was well thought out, but in, in that vein, my other friend did say when she was stationed there that for uh, three weeks straight, they did a recall on weekends, meaning everybody was on base and nobody left for the entire weekend. And, and to quote her, she said, because people couldn't stop getting DUIs. So I, I, there is a problem, but I would, I would encourage them to drink on base and stumble home. I mean, if you're at the enlisted club, there's obviously a ton of NCOs around and higher level people. And I mean, if I saw a troop who was staggeringly drunk, I would help them get home. Now you're pushing them out. And really, if, you know, there's a big problem with uh, seasonal affected disorder up there, it's dark all the time. And you think this is going to cut down on suicides by making them go home and be alone? That, that seems backwards to me. Like, mm-hmm. I would think it'd be better to have them out there where they could see other people and talk to them. But, hey, what do I know? Ashley, what do you think on this one? I'm in a, I'm, I'm agreeing with both of you. I think that, obviously, there there's a problem. And, um, you know, there has to be some safety concerns. Um, definitely, like, you know, resources from a substance abuse kind of standpoint, making sure that like we're thinking through, right? Like why push people off base so that it just could create more problems. Next thing you know, they're out of the service. They've got a dishonorable, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of root lying. Uh, there's a lot of root causes or root problems with words. I just, I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm a bit flummoxed to use Mark's favorite word. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that. I do like flummox. I, it's just, I, I can't imagine what the effect is on reenlistment. It's like if you're being treated like a child the whole time, you're probably going to go find something else to do. But so it goes. All right. Rapid fire number four. Uh, in one of his final acts as president, uh, Don, President Donald Trump signed an executive order directing construction of a National Garden of American Heroes. And I was talking to super producer Holly about this. This sounds awesome a statuary park that will serve as a monument to our country's greatness. It apparently was spawned uh, by his visit to Mount Rushmore. And uh, the way we're envisioning it anyway, is it's like 200 statues spread over a, a large area with like walkways in between. And what Holly and I were discussing like, you know, if it was like through the mountains and it was every couple hundred feet, there was a new statue or something. That'd be Awesome. But one of the things they noted was that many of them are going to be military members. And then uh, in the link on this story, which you'll find in the show notes, it talks about 16 military that were mentioned. And me being the proud enlisted men that I was, I noted that of the 16, only three were enlisted. Corporal Ira Hayes, which is very appropriate. Uh, Master Sergeant uh, Roy Benavides, very appropriate, and Corporal Desmond Doss, who anyone who's seen Hacksaw Ridge will know who Desmond Doss is. But Jeff, well, I'll, I'll start with Ashley on this one. Ashley, what do you think of the breakdown that there are uh, of the 16 mentioned, 13 are officers, most of them, most of them generals, and then only three enlisted? I just want to say that um, I decided not to become an officer because uh, I I think that there's something really profound about being a non-commissioned officer, I think, from I a leadership standpoint. And, um, you know, officers need someone to look up to, too. That's... So, with that being said, um, 
I'm kind of disappointed because, you know, I think that there's a lot of folks that get stuff done that have incredible, incredible backgrounds that uh, are are noteworthy, worthy mentions. And um, at the end of the day, like, these folks make stuff happen and the officers kind of get the credit for it. I yeah. think that's very common. So. There's... And I and I'm obviously not going to sell the Marine Corps, but there's about six or eight that I enlisted or NCOs that I can think of in the Marine Corps alone that should be there. But Jeff, what do you got? Well, first of all, NCOs are enlisted, so we're all in the same game. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't care if they're a buck private or a sergeant major of the Marine Corps, Ugh. but the. And I did say Marine Corps, so I think that this uh, Garden of Two Hundred is a is a great idea. I also think that this garden uh, needs a few more, needs a little more uh, diversity of rank. So it's because because of that, it, it's it doesn't show it doesn't show a true experience the way that I would assume whoever thought it up uh, in in the administration intended it. So if if it's if it's all generals, I mean that's that's fine. We all assume generals have done something, or they wouldn't have gotten their stars. So yeah, a couple generals up there are great. But if I see anybody with stars, I'm like, he probably did a couple things at some point along the way. If someone's a, if someone's an E3, E4, E6, whatever, I don't care what. We don't necessarily know who those people are. They're not. They're not on TV like Schwarzkopf. They're not on TV like Colin Powell. They're not on TV. I mean. Those 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 uh, service people. I almost said Marines, but uh, those service people, they get the job done too. And uh, if you're going to have this garden, you might as well have some species in this garden that you don't always come across. And and it can be a great teaching moment that if you go into the military as an enlisted, you're going in there as a buck friggin' private. You can still contribute in enormous ways, and that right. that's is my uh, take on all of that. I don't like the hierarchy of I don't like the hierarchy of people uh, with the officers, even staff NCOs, NCOs, enlisted. I just think we all contribute, and yeah. it's important to recognize everybody. I believe that I, I, anyone can be the most important person in an organization, regardless of your position or title. And, and I think when we take when we strip that away and make it that you have to have a certain rank or title to achieve or to make a difference, I think it um, it unknowingly for many will put a limitation on what they believe that they can do and what's in their control. Um, and I think what it does is it, it silences a, a generation of, of soldiers that would benefit from the mentorship. I, I, uh, and I think I, I was going to say, Mark, I was going to say that you probably agree with Ashley. Cause I think you're the most important person in your mirror every day. Like you, I, just... I actually don't look in the mirror. I don't want to see what's going on here. <laughs> I, I, uh, I was, I was actually thinking about my favorite drinking companion, Sal Junta, the medal of honor recipient who once told me how proud he was to reach the rank of E4 and he actually managed to do it three times, once on the way up and twice on the way back down. And uh, I think my favorite thing was when uh, he went to the uh, Pentagon before he received the Medal of Honor and they were sorting through his records and they're like, uh, yeah, there's an error in your record. We don't see any good conduct medal. And he said, no, that's because no. I never earned one. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, my, that's that's 
that's the kind of Joe that I that I appreciate. The guy who uh, who made E4 three times. That's like an E12 right there. I mean, you make it three times, you get credit for all of them. <laughs> so you should anyway, get a punch card. Yeah, you get a punch card. Oh, yeah, I, uh, again? <laughs> I, I mean, you don't see any officers that are like made it to general after being demoted to uh, second lieutenant. Like that doesn't no. happen. No. You need, you want, you, you want the good stories. That. You want the good stories. You got to go to the Joes that uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe occasionally overstepped the limits of what proper behavior would require. <laughs> and uh, that's, uh, you know, who's going to be the voice for them? Anyway, uh, shout-outs today. I think uh, Jeff is passing, and I have a pass, but uh, Ashley has a very special one. I do. My shout-out is to the oldest living Marine. She's a North Carolina woman by the name of Dorothy Doc Cole. She passed away January 7th. She was 107 years old. 107. She was born in 1913, and she grew up in Warren, Pennsylvania. Um, Unfortunately, she had suffered a heart attack. But in regards to her tremendous service, um, you know, obviously served through World War II. Um, she was like, hey, I'm going to support my country. She was an incredible woman. And I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned about service and generations of service from her. And just the, the women who volunteered, whether it was from the Red Cross or all of the different, you know, volunteer forces to the West. All of these women, right? Um, who really pushed forward for progress and wanted to serve their country. And, you know, she did it when she was 28, and this was 1943, and she became um, one of the first wave of women to join the Marine Corps, uh, excuse me, the Marine Corps Women's Reserve. Um, so I just wanted to give a shout-out to her and to her family and uh, to the Marine Corps and just all the women Marines out there who are just kicking butt and taking names and continuing to, to drive on and... Um, make obviously dot and all of her all of her colleagues proud i could could technically go through a midlife crisis right now if i were on the dot plan of living to 107 but alas (laughs) i think my time on this mortal coil is probably down to (laughs) measured in months if not hours so i guess i can't use the uh, midlife crisis uh defense jeff did you have a shout out Yes, this is my new mission. My apologies, I shout out, sir. I shout out. I shout out posts out there, and today is post thirty-three from the Department of Florida. Now, this is a cool story. It's Rick Johnson, the state commander of the American Legion Department of Florida, said when he heard of a December twenty-fifth Christmas twenty-nineteen shooting at a post that injured a seventeen-year-old boy. He thought the facility would never reopen. They were stripped of their charter. They were shut down, um, but. They came back. Some new leadership came in, and he, he was impressed with the progress new leadership made at the Post. Johnson announced that the Post had its charter reissued Friday evening. So they've done an amazing job turning the place around. Uh, the, the, the department commander thought that it was just never going to be a Post again, but they did it. They got their charter back, and they're back to serving their community. So I want to send congratulations out to Post 33 in the Department of Florida and their commander, Richard Hunter. Uh, just amazing friggin' work, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I came across this story. Wow, that's awesome. a good story. Yeah, I mean, people... <laughs> 
there's a misconception that national somehow has control over posts, which is never, ever true. Um, so if your post is doing things that are like are not as good as uh, they're not as good as you would like, then take over the post. That's what this guy did. He was like, mm-hmm. hey, look, this post needs new leadership. You can do it. You just need a plurality to, to get elected into a power, a position of power. So, Ashley, you had something else you wanted to add? No. Oh. <laughs> I just, I, I'm fine. Carry on. Uh, <laughs> I'm so confused right now. Proceed. There's, there's that NCO leadership we keep hearing about. <laughs> You're damn right. Oh, that, listen to <laughs> Jeff taking shots here. All right. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the Tango Alpha Lima podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. And while you're there, don't forget to rate us, preferably five stars, and leave us a review. You can send us feedback and love notes to tangoalphalima at legion.org. Please we address them to, to Jeff. From, yeah, give them to Jeff. Jeff's the, Jeff might be our designated responder here. So if you, too, <laughs> want a shout-out from Jeff, you need to start sending us emails. So. Ooh, that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. It would save so, me a lot of work. I don't like having to look stuff up. Yeah. And so <laughs> once, we, uh, once we hit the big budget and we can start taking this show on the road, that's when we, you know, we need to we need to do like a live show from Mount Rushmore or from the statue of wherever this wherever this that park with epic. the statues is going to be. And again, I'm arguing that it should be in the hills of Tennessee because nope, Michigan. They, uh, Michigan. I don't. Well, I mean, Michigan would be kind of. I'm just cool, messing with you. I'm just messing. I mean, it'd be a little cold to be up there wandering around looking at statues in the middle of Upper Peninsula of Michigan. But hey, I've done Who's stupider things. Right. <laughs> so alright folks well we will see you in another week so thank you for listening to us and we will be back in seven days bye bye